This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The media's newest propaganda tactic is out in full force and dividing the public with extreme stereotypes. This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Quick announcement, I will likely be doing a live stream Thursday evening, probably later in the evening because Friday is my birthday, so it'll probably run to around midnight, perhaps later. The exact time is to be determined, but I wanted to give you guys a heads up and I will let you know what the exact time will be as soon as I nail that down. All right. Edward Bernays wrote in his book Propaganda in 1923 that whatever must be done, this is in regards to propaganda, must be synchronized accurately with all other forms of appeal to the public. And that news reaches the public through the printed word, books, magazines, letters, posters, circulars, banners, newspapers, through photographs, motion pictures, photos, through the ear, lectures, speeches, band music, radio, and campaign songs, and that all of these must be employed by the political party conducting the propaganda if it is to succeed. There's obviously new channels of propaganda available today, but this idea of synchronizing all of the different forms of appeals together with each other, which can never actually be done perfectly, it's a constant push and pull of testing, analyzing, and adjusting, but knowing that these political groups and these organizations seek such synchronization, it makes me pay close attention when I notice that they do something that seems different to me, that looks coordinated and appears to be done with a purpose. And I noticed something like that this past week that definitely appears to be new. Not a new propaganda tactic, just a tactic applied in a new way. And I believe it marks a definite shift in propaganda strategy coming from whoever's pulling the strings here. I saw it one time, then I saw it again a week later, done in identical fashion, this this propaganda tactic, but with a different person slotted in, carrying out almost an identical message. It's very interesting. You'll see what I mean. It definitely appears to be coordinated either way and not a one-off thing. And what I noticed is that the media appears to be testing an indirect form of propaganda that's much less blatant than another style that they've been using all of the time for the past five years that is like a, a the opposite of this style. And... This is definitely an emerging propaganda trend, and it's unmistakable once you see it. And I wanted to point it out to you guys so that you guys can look out for it as well. So I saw two very clear demonstrations of this tactic on display this past week with two different people slotted in, as I said, carrying it out. One of those people is former FBI head James Comey, which I'll show you that in a minute. And the other is Stacey Abrams, which... I actually showed this last week on the show, but didn't put together uh, the the importance of it until I saw the Comey example yesterday. So I'm going to recap the Abrams propaganda again in this new context. She was doing the media rounds discussing her new novel, which is obviously her using a work of fiction as a vehicle for propaganda intended to influence her target audience in a more indirect way than, say, a nonfiction, overtly political book might be trying to do. She describes her new novel in her appearances on the networks as being not only a political thriller, but as also being a fictional story that explains to her readers how the FISA court, which she describes as America's secret court, really works. Interesting, a fictional book that explains how the FISA court 
really works. Hmm. She also said that part of her motivation for writing the book was that most people don't even know what the FISA court is or even that it exists. So it appears Stacy feels the best way to inform people about the truth of the FISA court is through a work of fiction, which by its very definition is untrue. Which is interesting that she feels that way when right before her book came out, a nonfiction work came out that's full of verifiable information, citations and all, and a real-life case study, fresh off the press, that could teach anyone unfamiliar with the FISA court all kinds of true things about it, and even how it's been used in practical, real-world ways. That work of nonfiction is obviously the recently published Durham Report, which shows how the FISA court was abused by the FBI to help the FBI launch an investigation into Russia collusion, an investigation that the report determined should never have been launched because none of the evidence presented to the FISA court by the FBI was corroborated. None of it. So here we have a perfect and informative nonfiction real-world case study that anyone could learn all about the FISA court from for free if they read it, and yet Stacey Abrams seems to think that the best way people can learn about the court is not from that real-world example, but is instead from a fictional story about the court that she made up. I mean, she must think that because at no point during any of her media tour did she once mention the Durham report. Not, not that I saw, and I watched a lot of it, nor did any of the networks bring up the Durham report either. Does that sound like someone who wants to inform people about the FISA court? Or does it sound more like someone who wants to prevent them from finding out the truth about the FISA court so that she can shape their perception of it while also profiting at the same time? That's the indirect tactic using a fiction novel, which does not require cited sources or even facts and prioritizes maximizing drama far above telling its readers the truth form of propaganda that I'm talking about. At first glance, that doesn't really seem to be a new tactic, but you'll see here in a moment why it is in this context. First, I want to I want to contrast it to the blatant nonfiction uh, as propaganda style it, that it deviates from. That is the standard or has been over the past like six years. Here's how that works. Every so often, the source of the day or even week's biggest breaking news is some soon to be released nonfiction book by some asshole like Bob Woodward or his butt buddy from Watergate or John Bolton or whoever, whose book is said to reveal all the corrupt things they claim Trump once said in the Oval Office that, that are just going to do them in. And these claims are questioned by no one in the media. They're accepted as truth. And then the author of that book is brought in onto the show to talk about the damning revelations their new book is about to reveal. Better get a copy soon. This is how we end up with all those bestsellers before the book is even published. They use this tactic all the time when Trump was president, like all of the time, weekly. If it were 2019, it, it, it'd probably sound something like this. Breaking news, President Trump, a new book reveals, in a fit of rage last June, hurled a McDonald's cheeseburger against a wall in the Oval Office, causing it to smash and splatter ketchup all over a beloved statue of Martin Luther King Jr. Here to discuss this overtly racist act and whether or not it could lead to impeachment proceedings is the author of the new bombshell book, Michael Wolff. Michael, tell us exactly what happened in the Oval Office. And then afterwards, CNN or MSNBC or whoever, spends the next six hours having panel discussions about these damning revelations that no one actually believes are true, as though they're just universally accepted fact at this point. And whether or not Trump's going to be impeached, indicted, and the walls are closing in, you recognize the model. And as you can see, it's a far more blatant approach to propaganda than the previous indirect 
fiction novel method we discussed. I mean, what this model amounts to is just a bunch of smears either made up completely or taken completely out of context and spun from a kernel of truth to mean something that whatever happened absolutely did not mean. That is just taken as absolute truth and repeated by those reporting on it simply because it's packed inside of a so-called nonfiction book that's backed up by pages of unnamed source citations. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. I mean, the fact is, right now, with all the defamation lawsuits that should be dismissed immediately as frivolous, that are being allowed to go to trial, and in some cases, people who, who should have had no shot at winning being awarded millions of dollars before appeal— it could be very dangerous to continue with this form of, of nonfiction book propaganda right now, because who knows when these new defamation standards that some courts are operating by could get turned against the writers of books like this. Which brings us back to what Stacey and James Comey are the new models of right now, this propaganda spread through fiction novels, which is not a new thing, but the way it's being done, the identical nature and the obvious coordination going on right now, and the way the media is handling it, and how Stacey and Comey are spreading propaganda involving the exact same subject in the exact same way. It's signaling that we're going to see more of this, I believe, and probably less of the other kind. Because on top of this added benefit of the indirect backdoor nature of propagandizing people, when something is fiction, the writer has much more room to just lie and smear people all they want without having to really worry about being sued for defamation. All they really have to do is just write whoever they want to smear into the, into the novel, Change the name, maybe a few details, and everybody reading it will know exactly who it is, and they will think that what's being written about that character is 100% true, because at the same time, the writer will be doing what Stacy did, and what you're going to hear Comey did as well, in the same way, will be telling them, yes, this is a fiction novel, but I'm also telling you the truth about how the justice system and those involved really work and how they really are. So trying to have the best of both worlds. Yes, it's fiction, so I can lie at will, but also I want you to believe it's true. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a cute little trick there. It just gives them the ability to lie without restraint, without fear of defamation or, or, or fact checks, because they can always just fall back on, well, it's not intended to be truthful because it's fiction. One of the ways you can tell that they are doing something different is by the name of the author printed on the cover of Stacy's newest novel, 
Rogue Justice, and on the cover of the novel that came out right before that one, which is called While Justice Sleeps. These two are part of a series of novels. It's a two-novel series thus far, and they the books, the novels, follow the same main character who is a lawyer who solves mysteries that happen to be about politically charged and divisive subjects that throughout the course of the book requires her to teach readers how those things work in real life, to propagandize them about those subjects through those, quote, mysteries. It's not out of the ordinary or new for Stacy to publish a novel. She's published a lot of novels. She's been publishing novels since 2002. That's a long time. But what is out of the ordinary when it comes to these most recent novels is that she published these under her real name. Her previous novels that she's been publishing for however long, before these, were all published under her pen name, Selena Montgomery. And while she has always published her nonfiction books under her real name, this series, these two books she's right now promoting, marked the first time she had ever put her real name on her works of fiction, on her novels. And 20 years, 21 years of writing novels. First time. You don't just make that switch for nothing, okay? And one of the two, the first one, While Justice Sleeps, is already being set for TV uh, adaptation, picked up by NBC Universal. So this propaganda spread through a fiction novel being spun to propaganda spread on screen. I mean, this is a definite shift in propaganda roles for Stacey Abrams in the way they're using her. I want to go back a second and think about the fake name, real name thing. Abrams, as I said, published that first novel in 2002 under that pen name, Selena Montgomery, continued using that same pen name for the next 20 years, while at the same time she was using her real name for her nonfiction books. I mean, Selena Montgomery and Stacey Abrams, by objective observers for a very long time, appeared to be separate people. They, they, they had separate Amazon author accounts. And only recently did someone, probably Stacey's handlers, go in and update the book covers on some of Selena's books to update them to include the message, Stacey Abrams writing as Selena Montgomery. They didn't previously have those. Like, they used to make no mention of Stacey. Some of them still don't. The point is, you don't keep your fake identity and the novels you wrote under it and your real identity and the nonfiction books you wrote under that separate for nearly 20 years, only to just casually stop separating them for no reason. You only stop doing that if it's part of a bigger long game plan. These series of novels that she is right now promoting, think about this, broke a two decade long pattern that Stacy had until not long ago stuck to religiously. I mean, they officially removed the barrier that separated Stacey Abrams from Selena Montgomery, her real identity from her fake it's almost like she was given the order to finally merge her two identities into one once and for all, most likely to position her to better carry out her new propaganda directive, which will no doubt involve her publishing more novels that tell fictional stories while at the same time explaining to readers various parts of how the government really works. Perhaps Stacey has been practicing writing fiction for all those years so that she could now deploy all of those skills she's developed in the service of propaganda in this moment. It was all for this. Now let's talk about James Comey, who's also written a number of nonfiction books and who's also currently doing the media rounds and who, like Stacy did not too long ago, also just published his very first fiction book. Hear it for yourself. 
After three decades in law enforcement, James Comey is trying his hand at a new career as a novelist. He's out with his very first work of fiction, Central Park Blessed. We recently discussed the book and the inspiration behind it. So after three decades in law enforcement, he is trying his hand at a new career, writing fiction novels. How long again was it that Stacey Abrams wrote under a pen name before she finally put her real name on her first uh, on her first Stacey Abrams authored novel? About two decades, so not quite three decades. Very similar. It's like we're seeing the reshaping of these two into the propaganda agents they must become right before our very eyes. Now listen to this. I know this is fiction, but how much of it was based on your actual experiences in law enforcement over the course of decades? I tried to draw it from things that I had done. People have always said you should write what you know. So I've tried not to make it a bio of particular individuals. I learned from my kids that not every Taylor Swift song is about an old boyfriend. <laughs> Many so, of them are. Yes, but sometimes it's made up and mm -hmm. I'm not telling which is which. But I tried to make it real and bring people inside the work that I had done and show them what it's really like. First of all, do you think Trump knows that Comey refers to him as an ex-girlfriend? Because you know that's who he's talking about. And you know there's going to be a Trump character that is the central villain of this book and probably Stacey's book as well. And probably a Durham character. That's probably the only time a Durham character ever gets mentioned by Stacey. It'll be the villain in her book that is attacking the FISA court while her character is attempting to stop them from destroying it. Like, trying to justify all the bullshit, the Russian investigation stuff. There's probably going to be a little bit of that in there. But Comey here seems to be saying that he will not tell you, the reader, what is real and what is not, but that he based it on his life, reality, and he tried to make it as real as possible and bring the reader inside to feel what it's really like working in the FBI. How can you do that? How can you say... It's real, but it's also not real, and I'm not going to tell you which is which. Can you imagine if the news – the news can't even get away with saying that because they have to at least pretend that they're telling the truth. This is exactly what Stacey Abrams did. These are part of the new roles that these two will be playing, Stacey and Comey. I mean, Stacey ha has fully merged with Selena, and you know Selena don't write any shit that's true. Look at the similarities in Stacey and Comey's book, the rollout and, and the media tour, all of it. Both the books came out just after the Durham report came out. Both the books are fiction novels in which Stacey and Comey both claim to explain how the justice system, the FBI and the FISA court, really work. They both appear to be distracting away from what is in Durham's report, with Stacey distracting away from the truth about the FISA court and also attempting to control the narrative around the FISA court in the minds of her audience. And Comey, I guess, distracting away from the fact that the most corrupt or incompetent, depending on how you look at it, character in the Durham report is, in fact, James Comey. And yet here he is telling his viewers and potential readers that his fiction novel will help them understand how the justice system, the FBI, really works. And finally, the way the media handled these interviews was distinctly different than the way that they have for so long handled the nonfiction style of propaganda book. It wouldn't surprise me if these books became required reading in public schools or the subject of law and justice classes in college courses, which Comey actually was teaching a college course on ethics for a while. Can you believe that? On ethics, that guy was. That's like Ted Bundy teaching a class on not murdering people. Probably not the best teacher. 
pay attention to this stuff. That's all I'm saying. Maybe we can even figure out who these main fiction novel writers are going to be. They're obviously people who, who we're familiar with. Any guesses? Next, in a story that should surprise no one, the January 6th committee doctored some of the video evidence, that's funny to call it that, that it showed during the January 6th hearings. Remember when we were going to see all this stuff on Tucker's show on Fox and then we didn't? Well, apparently, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and the committee itself authorized this news organization, Just the News, to review the footage and make copies of any newsworthy moments, which I find to be interesting, and I wonder what Just the News had to promise not to say in order to be allowed to do this, at least to get the authorization from the committee. Anyway, according to Just the News, the House Select Committee to investigate January 6th doctored a key piece of evidence adding audio to silent U.S. Capitol security footage used to create a dramatic video montage for the opening of its primetime hearings last summer. This according to their review of the raw footage and the panel sizzle reel that aired live and on C-SPAN last June failed to identify that it had overdubbed audio from another unidentified source onto the silent footage with multiple current and former Capitol Police officials as well as key lawmakers and congressional aides confirming that the closed circuit cameras that captured the video do not record sound and that it was added afterwards. The camera doesn't even record sound. The two pieces of video that had been identified that the January 6th committee did this with were from Capitol Police closed-circuit TV, CCTV footage, one from, in, one from an inside angle showing the breach of a key entrance to the Capitol, and another from an aerial view of the agitated crowd outside. Neither of the original versions of these videos had audio, and the one that was outside, I believe, is the one that didn't even have the ability, doesn't have the capabilities to record sound, which, which that's hilarious. Let's just add sound to a camera that doesn't even have the technology to record it. This wasn't the only footage that they overdubbed audio to and showed during the hearing. Other video that they dubbed audio onto, they, they just put a disclaimer on it, on the video, which I'm sure is very difficult to see and is quite extraordinary in and of itself that something that's being presented to the American people as, quote, evidence of an insurrection w was okay just dubbing audio on top of videos because they put a disclaimer on it. We put a disclaimer on this evidence that we doctored. Not exactly admissible in court, but we all know that none of this was ever about legal standards. It was always about the propaganda and rewriting history based on that propaganda. I'm not going to play the video because it just it's silent for part of it. And then you, well, oh yeah, I'll play it so you can hear the actual, the actual audio, what they've dubbed onto it. Oh, there it is. They're breaking into the Capitol from the outside. Sounds like it's coming from them. It's not. It gets. So they even have somebody yelling breach on the Capitol. Now here's that same footage without the dubbing, which obviously is going to be silent. So for those watching, for those listening, I mean, it's the exact same video, except it's completely silent. Now let's go to the next one, see what they dubbed over on top of that one. All right, here it is. Yeah, a bunch of people outside, West Plaza. Yeah, that was it. And it's silent. So just completely silent. Completely manipulating what people are seeing there. They could have been singing Kumbaya for all we know. They could have been, they could have been praying to Nancy Pelosi's breast for all we know. We have no idea because they added that shit on there. Unbelievable. I mean, it's not surprising, but it still pisses me off. These people, we were shown evidence of the January 6th insurrection, audio and video from a camera that doesn't even have the ability to record audio. It's, it's unbelievable. And some people accepted that as evidence and probably still do. This is one of those ones that I would hang on to for your friends who might have previously leaned Biden or you might perceive to be one way, but has started to sound reasonable 
and you can have good conversations with and show it to them because I'm telling you, despite what the mainstream media or Twitter, which are designed to create a divide and conquer atmosphere, would have us believe, most people are not as radicalized to the left or right or to wherever else these platforms portray them to be. And when you talk to them and you tell them stuff like this, that actually happened, or you tell them about anything that's on the Hunter Biden laptop, they will look at it. And they will absorb it and they will be affected by it. Now, they're not going to just suddenly agree with you about everything, but that's not the goal. The goal isn't to just get, to get people to agree with everything you believe. I mean, we all get stuff wrong sometimes and we all need to be challenged on our positions in constructive ways by other reasonable people, well thought out people so we can grow together. The goal, in my opinion, is instead to show people truths that their media, the media they consume is either not showing them at all or is lying to them about so that they can make of it what they will. And I have to tell you, people will surprise you. There are more reasonable people out there than the powers that be would have us believe. They try to poison our minds with the social media stereotypes. One of the tricks of the mind that the powers that be attempt to pull on us, the psyop, if you will, is this. They attempt to keep us divided and ruled using social media and the mainstream news by creating these radicalized stereotypes, radicalized versions of the other side, of the Republican, the Democrat, the Libertarian with the hope that when we actually communicate with each other in real life, that it is one of these stereotypes that uh, are instantly triggered and that we just react to that instead of us actually reacting to the reasonable, intelligent individuals in front of us who are absolutely not those stereotypes. They do not want us ever listening to what the individual we are talking with says. That's why they try to brainwash us with these stereotypes. They have to do this for their divide and conquer bullshit to work because they know they know the reality that they propagate through our screens is far from the reality that actually exists in the real world. And that the more people who listen and react to the human being in front of them, instead of the stereotypes, the less divided we will all be and the less power these assholes will have over anybody, over society as a whole. They need us to fight with each other because if we were not so preoccupied bickering, we all just might realize who and what the problem really is. Them. They are the problem, and I'm telling you, there's nothing they fear more than that reality, than all of us collectively ending the bickering and turning our attention towards them. And someone could chime in right now and say, but uh, who are they? Well, and they'd be missing the point if they were to, to chime in with that. I could rattle off a long list of who they might be. I've done it before, but that doesn't matter for what I'm talking about right now. What I'm saying is if we want to not be dominated by the divide and rule campaign, we are no doubt being subjected to at this very moment, relentlessly, the way to do it is to realize that the reality projected to us in the news and on social media, which I know you guys know, is no reality at all. And therefore, we probably shouldn't let it guide how we treat other human beings, especially those whom we perceive might disagree with us. Because if we do, we'll be the ones responsible for manifesting that very bullshit reality that none of us want to live in, that they depend on manifesting to maintain their power. That's all. That's all the rant I got. I know you guys don't do this, but this story just set me off, man. Most of our Democrat, Republican, and Libertarian friends aren't even close to as bad as the screens in front of us would have us believe they are. Not saying there's not an occasional exception, but most of the time, most of those exceptions should be treated with love because the fact is their brain has likely been severely damaged by propaganda and they, they need help. Really. I mean, I do know a few people like that, but most people are not like that. Most people are like great when you just talk to them. And with that, I'm going to climb down off my soapbox and I'm going to wrap the show up right there. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. We will talk to you next time.
Have a fantastic rest of your day.